Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the APW podcast. In this episode we talk to Losers head honcho and Cooper Temple Claws guitarist Tom Bellamy. Please come with me on a musical journey as we take a sideways glance through the eyes of a producer and craft engineer. Welcome to the Audio Production Workshop. I am here with the wonderful Tom Bellamy from Losers and also the uh, Cooper Temple Claws. Correct. How things going? It's going good. We, uh, we're in London for this, well, this weekend we did uh, Paulie Arms yesterday, Camden Bronx Festival, and uh, we did a session for Radio X uh, with a guy <laughs> called Chris Denbon uh, the day before that, which was awful. <laughs> Congrats on the third album. Um, where did you record it and how long did it take? Uh, so we moved to Berlin uh, three and a half years ago, which is when we began the writing of that album. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, well, maybe it was July of that year, and um, yeah, just wrote and wrote and wrote, and uh, extremely isolated from the rest of the world, and um, and finally uh, got it out about two years later. Um, we were just in this this huge. Um, water factory uh it's like a yeah like a james bond house 520 square meters over two levels with wow. uh, a big uh a big lounge with a grand piano in it and then a trapdoor down into the studio which had a live room and a control room and uh this was after coming from a, a studio in london that um yeah was about a tenth of the size and we were you know all on top of each other so we just mm-hmm. had like freedom and um and we could we could play 24 hours a day and um yeah it was all set up ready to go and uh, so we just stayed in there and just experimented with sound Mm -hmm. for a really long time and went a bit mad and uh just yeah lost control and then (laughs) tried to rein it back in again to uh to finish it off and ended up Mixing it a little, well, I mixed a little bit myself and uh, a friend of mine, Dan Austin, who used to work with me back in Cooper's days. Yeah, he was from the beginning. From, yeah, from yeah, so he's always been like my tech support because um, yeah. uh, I've never been that technical, even though I'm like, you know, engineering and producing a lot of things. And I'm assuming Dan's role has moved up yeah. through, through the years as well because he started as an assistant, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so he um, he was working with Paul Corkett in. Uh, in Moles in Bath, mm-hmm. um, so he was engineer. He engineered our first uh, EPs with Paul um, back in like 2000, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, we just got on with him so well that uh, we ended up getting him to produce our second album, mm-hmm. which did really well. And then off the back of that, he just went from strength to strength. And then he he worked. Uh, he's well right hand man with Flood and Gil Norton and what amazing just like tricks all to pick sorts. up from those guys they're yeah. amazing producers yeah so he's just like he's a don he's like my 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 idol and I I wouldn't be here without him <laughs> and um yeah as you know every so often Pro Tools has a whitey or whatever and I have to phone him and be like ah it's all gone wrong does he come over to Berlin a lot uh, no so he's based in Bath um, so I go there now and again I, and I have been working a little bit I set up studio in uh, in Tenby in, in Pembrokeshire so mm-hmm. I was there for a while and um, got to hang out with him for a bit but he's like yeah he's the busiest man on the planet as you know probably know as being an, an engineer mm. yourself it's just like you know it's very difficult to stop sometimes and You're I guess always plate spinning <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's nice to... I mean, it's quite an isolating thing, isn't it, being an engineer and a, and a producer that, you know, you're in a studio alone or, you know, with a band that you don't really know or whatever and um, or left to mix something on, on your own for the, you know, mm. the rest of the day or whatever. And it's, so it's nice to be able to to speak to people who sort of know what you're going through. <laughs> now, I remember over the years I had you in and literally every time you'd come in, it would be, a, Chris, I've bought something else. <laughs> <laughs> when did you find that you got the recording bug? When did that kind of kick in for you? Um, I don't know. I guess I've always had it in me. I mean, I think back, I quite often think back now to when Cooper's got signed and our lawyer made a remark about, uh, he's like, well, you know, you, you, obviously you're going to go on and be a producer or whatever. And, you know, it was sort of just like... Um, and the side sort of comment, but I remember thinking, oh, no, really? I wonder why I said that. And then, uh, and but you know, before that, it was always in the bedroom with the tiny little tape player, with the you know, mm. you know, uh, just recording all the time, just any sort of weird sound. Just it was just always there. I just you know. Do you think um, it changed up more when the remixing started to happen? Yeah. So d- doing it like professionally. Um, I mean, with Coopers, it was... I didn't have a clue about anything. I mean, you know, I really mm. didn't. And <laughs> I think that I mean, still is the case. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, Coopers finished, and it was almost on the same day Eddie got in contact and was like, oh, I've got this remix for, for Goose. Yeah. Um, do you want to do something? Because I'd started doing remixes for Coopers because I was just getting bored because our third album took forever. And, you know, mm. I just had lots of energy and... Just wanted to see what I could do, and um, you know, Dan had taught me how to use um, Reason, and you know, I knew Pro Tools a little bit, and he taught me some of the shortcuts or whatever. And then, so that was the start of my journey of actually trying to engineer and produce mm. properly. But again, I just, I, I just didn't have a clue, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure I've given myself tinnitus from like just not knowing how to EQ anything, and just, you know, um, but uh, yeah. Just, it seems to be getting better. I think I'm, uh, hmm. I've, I've got somewhere, and um, it's just been a long journey, but a really enjoyable one because um, I've always wanted to put myself in a position where I'm uncomfortable. Because, you know, I used to have guitar lessons. I started off playing guitar for Coopers, and it was like, oh, here's a blue scale. Hmm. You know, this is how you play a solo. Hmm. It's like, oh well, that's all very nice and stuff, but hmm. you know, that's not, that's not where. Uh, true original artists, you know, get, um, have have their beginnings. They, they, it, you you shouldn't be told what to do as an artist. Mm. It should be like you should be finding out sounds and experimenting. Off actually, your own that actually brings me on to my next question. Cause I was going to ask like, um, all equipment has a jumping off point for writing. Like, no matter what it is, there'll be a certain instrument people generally go for. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, I'm assuming guitar was your first thing for Coopers. What is it now? Is it still guitar or is it moved into, do you know what, I will move to this bit of kit and play with that first before ideas start rolling? Is, is there a bit of equipment? Yeah, I don't know. Jump I've on? Just, I mean, I've only recently, only since talking to ex-Coopers guitarist Dan about limiting myself because I think that's been one of my biggest problems. Too many toys. Or, like all of them. It's just like, mm. it would always be, and it was with Coopers as well, it's just like go, go into the room 
is like the first person to pick up the toy that makes the the best noise or whatever. It's like who picks up the you know this newest bit of kit first, and it's like it's always a thing. It's just walk into the room and whatever happens to be on or I don't know. You know, it was always just about experimenting with sounds, and um, so I never I never really had a go to instrument, and I think that's you know where the sort of production came from because I could always do something you know and you know I, I began you know my first instrument was the trumpet and then guitar and then I decided I want to be a drummer and I was all right at these you know everything but I wasn't mm. brilliant at anything mm. and um and I just found that um production was was the answer to that because I could mm. sort of, you know understand a bit of everything but um really needed to to do anything <laughs> at a brilliant level <laughs> because you know some people are, are great at uh, their instruments and it's like you know I, I know that I'm not brilliant at anything in it, but it doesn't bother me because I think create, if, you, if you're a creative you're creative and you let things you don't have to be technically no and I think that's, brilliant to, to be creative yeah you know um, and, and that's I, the whole point especially when writing songs right yeah and I think I've, I've let that get in the way too much because I've always try to make everything too perfect or whatever and it's yeah. only only really now that I'm just thinking well actually you know my dad always says oh you know you come up with the ideas and then you mess around with it for ages and ages and then you lose where you were at the beginning and, and he has got a point because it's like I listen back you know doing this last album with, with Losers it's you know you always come up with an initial idea and you get really excited about something and you, you know you don't know what it is but obviously there's something there that, that turns you on hmm. and then you can spend forever like trying to change things or adapt things and then you know you How, get to the end and with with losers like the actual writing process and other members of the band um how does that work is it literally you going right i'm gonna start and do a majority or is it like hey guys all jump in is it, what, what's the vibe with that um to start with it was eddie saying um i've got an idea for a song um you know uh let's he would start and hum me a melody and then and then i would build a track around that and then when i met paul um it was more like when i used to work with coopers it was just like you'd walk in and be like ding 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 oh and, and you know you'd start <laughs> from there and it would literally you'd just be building a track from from nothing um but i was always the one that was facilitating people and i'd, I'd always you know if anyone had any idea you mm. just you just say yes and they'd never want to, you know, can we try a uh, string section? Well, never had a string section, but, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll try it. And yeah. if it doesn't work, then you, you carry on and just and just try and keep things open and, and on the move. Mm. What's the life set up for Losers? Who's playing in the band? Um, because I believe there's some extra members now. Just constantly evolving that band. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's time to turn into, into the Spinal Tap thing. I remember in Coopers and, and watching the thing about the drummers and thinking, oh, that's weird. And now it's happened with losers. I think we've got this family tree that's just like gone all over the place. And yeah. we've got now uh, so me and Paul, who traditionally are guitarists um, on keyboards. Um, I, use, <laughs> I use main stage, and Paul uses a, a Korg. <laughs> uh, no, it's not even a Korg. It's a Roland. Uh, and then we've got a guitarist, uh, Pete from Philadelphia via uh, West by Fleet and somewhere else, uh, who plays guitar. But it's Paul's old rig isn't it uh it's my guitar and paul's amp paul's amp yeah, yeah. and uh, a mixture of both paul paul and mine's uh, 
mine's uh, pedals, and then we have uh, and then we have a drummer. So uh, it seems to be working. We had a good gig yesterday, and uh, and uh, yeah. Now tell me about this gig. Uh, what happened to make it uh, really special for you? Well, Camden Rocks unfortunately weren't able able to provide us with keyboard stands. Uh, yeah. I need two, and Paul needs one, and uh, so instead of getting angry about it. Uh, or causing a fuss, I thought, well, let's try and make this turn this into a positive. So I uh, attached a guitar strap to my MIDI keyboard, yeah, and I rocked the joint. I think <laughs> I, I saw some pictures of this, and it looked like you were having the most fun it ever. It was so liberating, it really was. And I honestly think I've been waiting my whole life for this moment <laughs> because it was just like I could just do everything I wanted, and like. I, you know, there's so much like stigma with keytars, isn't there? And people yeah. like, I honestly couldn't. But it doesn't give look a... like a keytar. That's the thing. It's a keyboard. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. So. So hopefully, it's pretty big. But it's because it's MIDI. It's really light. You know. Yeah. There's nothing in it. So. But I've got all my samples on there. I've got you know. I've got my my foot switch that can change all my patches. So I can. I've got all my delays and reverbs <laughs> and whatever there. And then I've got my keys and you know what more could a boy want. <laughs> Um, obviously in the studio now, and I'm assuming you've built up quite a collection of bits and pieces, um, which bits of software or hardware could you not live without? Um, well, I couldn't live without my Skywave uh, synth, but I'd never use it, so um, that's, I'm not sure whether that's answering the question, just because it's like the most, as Paul quotes, um, batshit crazy thing. Uh, right. um, um, I have... A few things. I mean, my Juno, always, always using that on everything. Um, I just, you just can't really go go wrong with that, and it's so versatile. Mm. Um, yeah, so I really use that a lot. Um, uh, Software-wise, um, I get a lot of my bass sounds from Trillion. I think Massive is. I mean, I, I find it a bit difficult to get my head around it sometimes, but I mean. It's got some incredible sounds on there. Mm. Um, we have a song called Turnaround that, that's got this one of the most like end of the world sounds right, right at the end, and that was that was from Massive. And um, um, yeah, I mean the, the problem that I've had is just I, I've got too much stuff, and I'm and I'm and I'm, I'm trying to cut down. I use the sound toy stuff a lot in terms of like. Um, effects like delays and 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 all that nonsense um i, t I don't know really what else have i got i've got i mean i've been using a, a cs5 recently for lots of bass sounds a yamaha synth which is just mm. beautiful just trying to get back into hardware stuff because i i got caught and you know in that in that little box in there and it's you know it can sap your energy a bit and it's um the one thing that has always seemed to be my thing but I've never I haven't really started recording it too much until recently is this uh, Electribe ER1 and um, like in the Coopers I used it for the intro to this song called AIM which is like it sounds like a synth but actually it was just this it's a drum machine and it's mm. just going through some guitar pedals and um, and and jamming and stuff it's just it's so simple it's got four knobs on it that you can adapt mm. And you know a couple of hi hat sounds or whatever, but it's just it's just because it's so simple, and you know when you can when you can really get into something and the sounds you know all the sounds are good, mm. 
and um, you know, like I was saying before with Paul and, and his pedals, and just know it like the back of your hand, and um, that's when it can just get really exciting. And it's got you know, it's still got those those sounds where it's it's just a little bit you know too far. It's like you know, you get some some keyboards where they don't go far enough, but this always has like you know this horrible sort of dirty dirty sounds that I, I love and um, yeah I mean I'm starting to use that a, a lot now to write with so um, so workflows in the studio are you now I, I know a lot of songwriters who um, will pretty much these days go do you know what I'll put a guitar plug-in emulation on because it's just easier when dealing with it are you still do you work that way or you actually like do you know what I do like micing up a cab and I do like I'd reamping say- which way do you kind of fall with that workflow wise whatever sounds right mm. I mean I've got a Paul's PV mic'd up in the studio at the moment I've been using that for vocals guitar bass whatever but you know sometimes like it will just sit in a mix perfectly mm. and other times you know I play it and I think oh that sounds that sounds perfect and then you know I'll stick a, a plug in on it you know one mm. of these reamping or CLA guitar things and it will just be like oh ah oh, no that actually that's that's the sound mm. there and um yeah i mean they're, they're pretty effective aren't they for mm. um for quickly trying out different amp sounds that you might not necessarily have, have tried How, how's about falling on well just playing around with drums do you find that because obviously you've got a lot of space now <laughs> yeah uh, do, you, do you go to recording drums or is it just like do you know what let's build songs first and then possibly I've d- I mean I've done it all all sorts of ways at the moment I'm just I'm recording stuff and I've just got a hi-hat and a, and a snare and it's just you know one mic and just going for vibe I mean I've been. I did a, an album for Red Kite, which is uh, Dan from Cooper's. <laughs> I remember them. And uh, and yeah, his so his second album's just coming out now. But uh, so I did the first album, and I mean that was a, an interesting thing. We we DI'd all the guitars, and then and then you know he'd play them, and then we we just reamp everything. Mm. And and he was really um, anal about getting the the right sounds. And drum wise for that record, he had everything in his head. He's a bit special like that. And, you know, so we Love started <laughs> and, and we just, you know, it would just be the, the kick drum mm. and then I'd just mic it up and he, and then, you know, he'd just do the kick drum bit and then I'd set up the snare and then we could, you know, one one mic, two mics, whatever, and then he'd do the snare part and then, you know, and he'd, then he'd do the hi-hat part but knowing that if it was like a 16 pattern that he would, you know, he'd be missing, you know, certain mm. bits of it or if there was a cymbal coming in, he'd, you know... And just building it up like bit by bit, and, and then putting it into sample, and then playing it through. And then, so, yeah, yeah, no. So he wasn't. It wasn't just like playing one kick part, and then sampling it for the, you know, and putting it through copy and pasting. He would play the whole kick drum part for the whole song, and then go go back to start, and then he'd play the snare part for the whole song. Wow. And it was all in his head, not for just one song, for the whole album. How many tracks on the album can you remember? It's like eleven. <laughs> and he started doing it, and I was like, "What? This? You, you can't be doing this. This is you can't." Have, and he was like, "No, no, it's all in my head." Wow, it was really weird. That's astonishing. And but then all the you know all the parts. So he did everything, and so I didn't. Yeah, I didn't do any writing on that album. I was just hmm. aghast <laughs> with like how mental he was. <laughs> I do. I do know of um, producers that will do, um, you know drums with no cymbals yeah and then kind of get them to play and then they'll record the cymbals but with dead snares 
and that afterwards because of the whole compression side of yeah, yeah. you know treat, treating drums um, and you know the crap that you get from cymbals sometimes you know what they're the worst invention ever aren't they <laughs> <laughs> they're lovely but they're just, yes, just ruin everything <laughs> But all good. Where can you see uh, losers moving on from here? Are you kind of um, you looking at doing another album, kind of in the next next kind of six months or so? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, yeah, the the last one was so intense. Um, we just sort of need to slow down a little bit mm. <laughs> and reevaluate things um, and just work out w- what direction we we're going to go in. I think because. Mm. We're all sort of, um, it's a weird one because, you know, we all input, there's no sort of leader or anything and, and we, you know, it's a, we just, we could, we could go anywhere and we don't want to make the same record again mm. and, um, you know, this last record was really full on and harsh and I think it'd be nice to make a, like a, an album that was, you know, a flip side to that that was maybe a bit more uh, easy on the ears. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's never any real like oh we're you know we're gonna do this it's just you know you're just affected by your surroundings and you're you know mm. we've got a new studio now and that's gonna just change everything completely as well and mm. um yeah who knows we'll just keep doing what we do brilliant thanks Tom thank you Chris <laughs> <laughs>